If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how do you change your mindset from just living paycheck to paycheck to hopefully becoming a millionaire, but you know what? Let's just go with, I can live comfortably. So joining me today is Tony Bradshaw. He is the author of Millionaire Choice and also host of the Millionaire Podcast. So welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me on. All right. So I actually want to start with early 20s. You had said that you were you were just not making good financial decisions. So you decided things needed to change. But first of all, how did you know the decisions you were making were bad? And then let's go on that journey that you had to make better decisions. Yeah, I think, you know, I think most people are kind of caught in that gerbil wheel where they're just kind of work, spend, work, spend, work, spend. I was more at that stage of life, uh, work, spend and get money from my mom and dad. You know, I'm, I remember being in college. I was terrible. Man, my parents just overcompensated for me all the time. So. Uh, if I needed something because my parents didn't have anything growing up, they just kind of would, you know, give me what I needed or what I asked for versus making me kind of figure it out myself. You know, and that's that's I think a lot of parents do that. They want their kids to do better than they did. You know, and I think um, <laughs> off at college, you know, I was I was need money. So I was always getting money from my parents. They were probably sending me 400 bucks a month plus tuition early on. This is like freshman, sophomore, junior year, sophomore year. Right? And uh, I had a video game addiction. And they would send me a lot of quarters to do laundry and I'd spend it on video games and ask for more money and I just had no control. You know, I haven't, I haven't shared that before, I don't think, but those are just some of the bad habits that I had. And I had to break free from those. And you, you know, you talk about your awakening. For me, I was just very fortunate that once I got out of college and got my W-2, my first real W-2, you know, that we work 2,000 hours in a year and you get that first big check and you look at it and you go, holy cow, I, I made this much money and I made about $39,000 that first year. Which was, you know, probably seven times more money than I'd ever seen in my life. I think before that, most I'd ever made a year, maybe about five grand. And, uh, so to see that $39,000 number and to go from five grand to 39 grand and go, wow, where did that go? Where did all that money go? Because I had probably about 500 bucks in my checking account and spent the rest of it. And I was $16,000 in debt. So in that short amount of time of getting out of college, I had made a 50, what I call a $55,000 move in the wrong direction. And it didn't take very long to get there and to do that. And uh, that was, fortunately for me, I was that was my wake-up call. I call it financial awakening. You know, some people have a lot of pain. Fortunately, that wasn't a lot of pain for me. It was it was uh, a little bit of pain, and it wasn't too hard to get out of it. I was able to, you know, make some quick financial ch- changes, learn a few things about money very quickly, and then, you know, turn things around. And, you know, roughly about 18 months, I was in a different financial position pretty quickly. Well, when you say that you learned about money like where did you go did you read books did you go to somebody that you trusted did you talk to your parents i mean how did you know where to go to learn better money habits and you know it's a funny story but you know education people talk about the education being the way out of poverty and in some ways that's true but it has to be the right education you know you can't just go get a degree spend four hundred thousand dollars on it so growing up if i did anything right uh, my parents were always encouraging me to learn and, and grow. And uh, my mom ran convenience stores. And so when I was a kid and I'd get off the school bus, I spent my afternoons at the convenience stores or I spent my mornings before the bus picked me up at the convenience stores. 
And you're talking about hours upon hours a week being there while she worked. I would just have to sit around the convenience store and do things. And she had a magazine rack. And so I would just learn to read magazines. So I learned how to fish off of the fishing <laughs> magazines. And I learned how to work on cars off of the car magazines. And so those were the two that I, I gravitated towards that were there. So every month I was learning something new and she had four or five different magazines. So what that did for me is it really gave me a mindset of learning. And so when I, when I identify a problem in my life that I need to solve or a problem I need to solve, I go learn about that problem and try to fix it. You know, whether that's, you know, marital trouble I'm having or raising kids or whatever those things are. So for me, when I, when I realized there was a money problem at age 25, I did what I had done as a kid and I just went to the bookstore, uh, books a million out here about, uh, you know, 20, 20 minutes away from where I was living at the time. And I just started reading magazines. I started reading financial magazines and uh, Kiplinger's Fund Magazine. That one's still around. It's a, an investment magazine, uh, Smart Money, a few others, and a few books. And it, what's amazing for me is that people don't realize how quickly that you can really change your life and turn it around. It only took about 90 days yeah. for me to go, oh, wow, like this is what I should be doing. What I'm doing is wrong. Now I need to change it. And I, I was uh, fairly literate with spreadsheets, and so I sat down, took what I learned out of those magazines, and then built out what I call a millionaire plan, which is a plan to be a millionaire by age 40. Now, some people call that a financial plan. I call it a millionaire plan because it was a very specific goal. I had a very specific goal to be a millionaire by a certain date, and I thought that was pretty cool. Until I started meeting all these other millionaires that did it by age 25 or 30. And, but their stories, their stories looked very similar to mine. You know, they, they grew up in broke families with broke homes with parents that didn't know how to manage money. And they, they said, this is not a good way to live. I need to change. And how do I change? And then they would make the change similar to me. You have to get the knowledge, which, you know, you can't change without knowledge, um, in that capacity. Um, and so that's what they do. Everybody starts kind of in the same place. And that's what I found on my journey. Uh, even with the millionaire choice is, you know, building wealth is really a system and process. Uh, a lot of people believe it's a magic trick, right? So like, right. oh, you got lucky. You were in the right place at the right time or you, you inherited. It's, it, all of those are just myths and, and lies. They're not true. Uh, every millionaire I've met, you know, whether they were homeless at 19 and millionaires at age 30, their stories are very, very similar. And, and you know, even from uh, Dr. Ming Wang, he grew up, uh, spent three years in high school in the Chinese concentration camp. And then came to America and ended up becoming a millionaire. But their stories are very similar to mine, where there was a moment in time, I call it like a financial awakening, where, you know, hey, my, my past is not where I want to stay. I want to shift. Now, how do I shift? And then once you make that decision, and that can come from somebody going, hey, I want to live a better life, or somebody goes, I just don't want to live in so much pain anymore. A lot of people, they have that financial awakening when they're in a lot of debt or having a lot of money fights with people. That wasn't my case. My case was I spent everything I had and I, I need to not do that again. That's a bad, that's a bad plan. Yeah. No, I really like that. I wish I had had that awakening a little bit earlier in my life. I knew I was struggling. I was never in debt, but I, I wasn't really going anywhere. Like you say, I was on that gerbil wheel where it was like I went to work. I got my paycheck. It all went to my rent and to, you know, the car payments and groceries and, and whatnot. And I just never got ahead. And I did have a little bit of credit card debt, but it wasn't a huge amount. But any leftover money I had was going to pay off those credit cards. So I was in my late 30s when I started seeking out 
people that I thought could help me. I love that you read all these different magazines and then you tried to apply it to like your spreadsheets. I had to go through a few what they call financial gurus because the first few that I heard talking did not speak to me at all. They all started from the t the frame of mind that you are already making $100,000 or more a year. And I was making $27,000 a year. So mm -hmm. they just didn't speak to me. So I finally found the person that talked about in minute detail, like how you start the journey, because the people I'd listened to previously already acted like you'd made you like, you've already done that journey. Now this is what you do with your money. And I'm like, I don't mm -hmm. even have that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's different people hit different stages in the, in the game. What I've kind of learned is I've been teaching people because I've only, I, you know, I worked with a, a gentleman that's, you know, big in the finance world for 15 years. And I, I really had no plans to go back into personal finance and, and work, but I was kind of drawn back into it. And as I'm learning more, like, how can I help people on a massive scale, you know, transform? Because, you know, 70 to 80 percent of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And that was before we saw this massive inflation, these high gas prices and all this stuff. So I can't imagine what that statistic is today. But. You know, it kind of starts with the, the mindset and, uh, and that's where I started. You know, when I go through my journey or the people I talk to, it starts with your mindset shift, which it sounds like it was with you. And then you develop a vision. So then you go, okay, what's possible? What's really possible for me to accomplish and achieve? And then once you kind of get that, you kind of, that's kind of what I call foundation. You put those foundations down. Then you start to acquire that knowledge and you start to apply that knowledge. So, and like you're saying, I think a lot of the financial gurus out there, um, it's kind of like smoke and mirrors. They're, they're, um, it's not very applicable. Some of the stuff they're saying, it's more like principles, but not applicable steps. You know, yeah. Dave Ramsey, which we all know about, one of the things that makes him so successful is he, he takes that vision and he gives people the vision, people that are on the gerbil wheel where they're working and spinning, working and spinning. He goes, Hey, let me give you a vision. I have a vision for you and I believe you can be debt free. And that sounds really good. Like really, when somebody is just trying to get by and pay their bills and they're bouncing checks and they're, getting their water cut off, their power cut off, they're having money fights. Like they don't, they're not going anywhere. They're stuck. And they've probably been stuck there for a while. And Dave gives them this nice vision of, hey, you can be debt free. And they latch onto that. And that's a great vision to have when you don't have a vision. And there's other visions you can absorb, which is, hey, I can have wealth and abundance. But when you're broke and you can't get by, you know, asking, having somebody, trying to get somebody to believe they can become a millionaire when they can't pay their bills. That is a big jump for somebody to make mentally and yeah. emotionally. Yeah, and I'm finding that, you know, because I'm in the, more in the, the millionaire abundance side of things, whereas Dave's really helping people on the, the ground level and doing a fantastic job of it, you know, getting them off the ground and, and getting them moving. Because most people are not even in the game of finance. They're walking around in the street outside the stadium, and they don't even realize there's a financial game going on. They're just kind of zombies. I guess right. that's the best way to say it, and we need to help change that. Okay, we need to take a break, but when we come back, I do want to jump to maybe we're off the gerbil wheel and we're doing okay. Now we want to maybe actually become a millionaire. So we'll be right back with Tony Bradshaw. He is an author and host of the Millionaire Choice Podcast. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. Today, we're talking about how you change your mindset from maybe you're in debt and you just need to get off that gerbil wheel and maybe you're past that. Maybe you're okay. You, you've got a little bit of money saved up, but you want to go even further than that. Maybe you want to be that millionaire. I think everybody wants to be a millionaire or more, but 
waiting to win the lottery isn't the best way to do that. <laughs> so joining me today is Tony Bradshaw. He is an author of The Millionaire Choice and also host of the podcast Millionaire Choice. So welcome back, Tony. Hey, thanks for having me back, Heather. In the first segment, we did discuss just changing your mindset. That's the first thing. But also, just because you changed your mindset and you realize, hey, I want to stop living paycheck to paycheck, that doesn't mean it happens instantaneously. You have to educate yourself. But maybe you're in a position where now you can actually earn more money or save more money. So you become a millionaire. So, all right, how do we do that, Tony? I want to be a millionaire. Set me up. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, obviously you have to do a budgeting. I don't like the word budget. I like the word spending plan because I like yeah. to spend money. I don't like to budget money. It's not as fun. But you, what I mean by that is you have to figure out where your money flows. For me, in my early days, all my money was flowing away from me. It was all going out the door, either going to a bank or a, you know, a fast food restaurant or something. It was getting spent on something. Uh, electronics was a big thing for me. So I would spend money on electronics, car stereo, stereo, television. So what I first did, the first thing I did was I shifted that mindset and I started getting my money to flow to things that actually built value and let me retain my income. So you've got to stop that flow of your cash and your work. You're going to work about 100,000 to 150,000 hours in your lifetime. It's a lot, right? Yeah. So why why wouldn't you want to have something to show for that at the end when you think about all that work? If you just saved a dollar, you'd have 100 to $150,000 uh, just saving in a dollar an hour. Now, that's not the best thing to do, but that's the concept there. Stop letting your money flow away from you. Let's change the flow of where it goes. So what I did initially is I just did a very simple model. Early on when I made that shift, uh, I didn't know a lot about finance. I just knew enough that I needed to change. So I immediately took my $3,000 a month take-home pay, and I chopped it into three pieces. I said, I'm going to live off of $1,000. I'm going to invest $1,000. And I'm going to pay off debt with $1,000. That's how I easily broke it down into three components. Now, what that means is you have to start thinking about what I call wealth money. So today I break my budget into four places or my spending plan into four groups. I have my living money. That's the money I need to pay my house note, my electricity, my water, my insurance, my food. All of those things that you have to pay every month to keep your family alive and keep yourself alive. That's called living money. Now, a lot of people will spend 80% of their money right there in living money. Like they're just living beyond their means. They're living too far ahead. You know, they're not getting anywhere. That's where their money's going. So they need to, to look at those living expenses and go, is this living expense out of balance with where I want my vision and my goals to be? So I have four quadrants in my, my spending plan. It's living money, wealth money, play money, and others money. And that others money, let me walk through those. So living money, I've just explained. Play money is the money you use to just have a good time. Like you've got to enjoy life a little bit. That could be um, if you've got a gym membership, go spend it on a gym membership. If you like to go to the water park, use the water park. If you want to take a vacation, that's all play money. It's money that you don't have to spend, but you need to spend some of it to like enjoy life. Could be taking if you're married, take your wife out, or your you know you go out with your husband and have a nice dinner or have you know go see a movie. Could be Netflix. Netflix is not a necessity, right? Right. So Netflix would fall into that that play money as well. It's entertainment. All right. So you get those two, and make sure that those two are the ones that we kind of abuse as people who are broke, right? So right. I was abusing that. Um, people who are broke abuse those two categories. Then you have others' money. For me, that would be a, a church tithe, or it could be birthday presents. It could be you should be giving people money. You should your money should be flowing to other people, because it's just how we're made. It's a spiritual kind of experience thing, right? I've got some orphans in Haiti that we support, 
Uh, we've got some human trafficking groups we support. That's others' money. So you want to make sure that you have a balance where you're not just keeping everything for yourself, but that you actually are pouring out some of that abundance and wealth that you're going to create into other people and helping other people. And then wealth money, which is the one that's often ignored. And like we said, 80% of people, 70 80% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And then you have financial advisors that will teach you that 15% of your money should go into retirement. And I don't like using percentages like that because they give people a false sense of security. So if you're making $50,000 a year, like you said earlier, I think 20 something thousand dollars a year, 15% is not going to amount to much after 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's just not. So what you need to do is come up with a hard number. So to go, and that's why I like what I said earlier about having a millionaire plan, because I had a goal to be a millionaire by age 40. You can set your number, whatever it is. When you learn about how to multiply money, then you can take those that simple math. It's very simple math. Don't be intimidated. My wife is very intimidated by math. And so it's not it's, it's not calculus. It's simple math. And so once you figure that out, you can go, okay, I need to put this much money back. Now, what I tell people is do a minimum of about $10,000 a year as your initial goal. So go, hey, what will it take for me to get to $10,000 a year of investment money? And then once you hit that goal, try to hit that goal within a year or two. So that may, that may mean you need to increase your income. In my case, it meant I need to cut my expenses. I had plenty of money to save $10,000 a year. I just was spending it all. So I just had to shift my spending habits, and I was able to come up with that ten grand. Now, once you hit that ten grand, though, I want you to step up and go, what, what would it look like if I could get to twenty? Because our, our minds, our human minds are so amazing because when you point them at a problem and you go, hey, I can solve this because, you know, Tony said I could do it or Heather said I could do this. Then you, you grab, you take hope and you, we encourage each other and then you can learn to grow. Now, if you're stuck, like we said on the gerbil wheel, that's the problem is because your brain, if you study brain science, your brain uh, picks up patterns and they're almost like ruts in the road. And you, you keep running in that rut until something comes along like your podcast, Heather that causes somebody to shift out of that rut, to do something different, to move. For me, it was to me just looking at my W-2 and going, wow, that's that's a lot of money and I spent it all. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. Let me figure something. And I'm living at home with my parents paying $200 a month in rent. That was, you know, 25 years old doing that. So that that was really stupid because I didn't have a lot of expenses. So that's that's the initial, the initial changes you need to make because you've got to get your money flowing into a direction that allows you to keep it, but also multiply it. As I tell people, you got to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money. Yeah. And most people don't know how to do. They know how to make it and spend it. They don't know how to make, manage it, and multiply it. So they're missing the manage and the multiply yeah. part. And you've got to learn. You got to learn that. I want to go back really quickly. I know originally when you started on this track, you d- divvied your income up into three categories, and you said a thousand. You know, your monthly three thousand dollars income. You said a thousand dollars here, a thousand here, and a thousand here. But now you've broken up into four. That doesn't necessarily mean they're all four equal parts because most of us, our living expenses are 50 to 60% of our income. So it's just divvying the rest of it up. Do you do that equally or are those all different numbers? No, they're all different numbers, like you said. I think if you're making less income, obviously your living expenses are going to be a huge, a bigger chunk. The reason I like you to look at it that way is because you can see when things are out of balance. If your living expenses are 80% and your wealth money is 0% and your play money is 20% and your maybe your other's money is very low. So let's use those percentages. I know it's, it's hard to, to listen and hear that. But what you're looking for is imbalances. 
And and if they're, if you're out of balance that much, you've got to go, okay, can I cut my living expenses? Am I living beyond my means? Do I have too many new cars? And am I paying $500 a month for two different cars? So $1,000 a month on a new car. That's out of balance. There are other ways. Like my, my kids for cars, when my kids buy new cars, we split the money with them. We buy half, they buy half. They get their new car at 16. We usually try to buy a used car with less than 100,000 miles on it. And I tell them, this is your plan. You're going to buy a car with somewhere between 90 and 100,000 miles. We're going to get a good brand that we know is reliable. And you're going to drive it for about 10 years. So that car will last about 10 years. We've been paying about seven or $8,000 each for those. They're a little bit higher right now. And that's worked out really well for my children, right? If you buy a new car, which my mom bought me a new car at a young age, which was not a good plan because I wrecked it. But (laughs) wrecked it twice, by the way. Oh, jeez. But those cars today, uh, are you're talking about a huge loss in value. So when you buy a new car, because it commits your money that should be building wealth for you, it commits it to a depreciating item, an item that's going to go down in value, lose about 70% of its value in five years. Yeah. And that's what that's what we as Americans do is we buy things that go down in value, and we have to really start buying things that go up in value that have some long-term benefit for our lives. That's how you build wealth. But most of us are, are spending, and I was doing the same thing. So you, you mentioned uh, percentages. The reason the percentages are important is because if you're out of balance, you have to go, how can I rebalance this thing? And I was spending 100%. So my living money expenses were, and play money, living money and play money was, you know, uh, 100 and, I don't know, 125%. Like I was, that's how much I was spending wow. that first year. So, and that's what a lot of people do. They get their credit cards and I had some credit card debt. I had some car debt. Most of it was car debt, right? But what I did is I quickly positioned that and I said, Hey, I'm going to cut my living expenses down to a third, 33%. And I'm going to invest 33% and I'm going to uh, pay off my debt with 33%. I was able to pay my car off about a year, year and a half early. So I kept it. I kept my car debt for about three and a half years. I believe it was. And, uh, and they got out of that. I want to ask, did you make any mistakes along the way as you started the journey? Because I think a lot of people might think, oh, I've changed my mindset. I've learned what I need to learn. I'm going to do all these steps. And, and then they're perfect on the journey. What mistakes did you make as you were in the middle of this journey? I would say there were a couple I made. Um, probably one that I didn't understand then that I understand now is that when you start learning about money, it's a lifelong journey. You don't, you don't stop learning. So the, the best way I can tell people, help explain that to people is when you start school in, in kindergarten and then you go through 12th grade, you spend 12 years, 13 years, if you include kindergarten, of learning about math, English, and science, right? And so if you go off to college, you spend another four years and then you go off, maybe you get to master's, maybe you get your doctorate. So you could probably spend, what is that, 12, 17 years in education pretty easily, right? Yeah. But at, at what point did our system teach you about finance and abundance and wealth and money management? And the answer is very little. If you do get a class, you're getting maybe a semester. You know, that's, that's today's standard. Oh, you're required to teach. What you have to understand, it's a lifelong journey. You really need to develop a mindset of learning, uh, new things. That, that would be one of the mistakes that I did make. I learned a lot early. And then I kind of turned my brain off for a while, kind of kept doing the same things instead of really expanding. And I won't go into details about that. The other thing that I think is a big deal is uh, I'm a do-it-yourself guy. My parents had a lot of social issues. 
uh, because of their upbringing. So they didn't naturally build strong relationships with people, and I didn't naturally build strong relationships with people. So I, I learned to do everything on my own through magazines. And, and if I could rewind the clock and talk to my 25-year-old self, I would say, hey, you need to find a group of people who are building wealth. And you need to learn from that group of people because you're going to learn faster, you're going to learn more efficiently, and you're going to make fewer mistakes. And and that's that's a big one, I think. Today, it's it's easier to do that than it was back in, you know, 1995. Yeah. Today, you've got a lot of digital groups, a lot of people putting online learning, communities together, things like that. So you, you can grow a lot faster and go a lot farther um, if you get into one of those groups. Get into the right group, right? So you, you can get into the wrong groups as well. Those are two of the big ones. We did a meat service and put a, free, a freezer in the basement, and uh, that cost me another $1,500. So I, even after I started going on my financial journey, I ended up buying two stupid decisions. I didn't need that stuff, and I just kind of got caught up in the moment. If I could go back, I think the big thing is, and you've probably heard this, right? If you've got a big expenditure you need to make, you probably need to wait like 48 hours just kind of because your emotions – your emotions could take over and you can go write a big check that you don't need to write. And you just need to sit on it for about 48 hours, let your emotions cool off and, and make better decisions. As far as the wealth investment stuff goes, I was so anti-debt, debt-free mindset that I wish I had kept my first house and my second house. Um, I sold both of those houses when I moved and I really could have afforded the house note on those properties. I understood the stock market. I did not understand the real estate market well. And that's what I mean by learning to keep uh, educating yourself. You know, real estate and the stock market are two wealth building tools. And I understood one, but not the other one. I love your point of keep learning and don't get in the rut just because you're debt free. Let's say you're there because I'm debt free aside from my mortgage. But I've been debt free for 12 years and I have not moved beyond that. And I need to get into the let's build. Well, I am putting money in the stock market, but I don't have a specific goal as you had, you know, be a millionaire by X date. I've not done that. I've just been like, okay, well, let's make sure I'm putting all my extra money into, a, you know, an IRA. And aside from saying I want to be debt free and paying off my mortgage sooner than the 30 year note, I'm kind of in that gerbil wheel again. <laughs> It's just at a different level, right? You got a yeah. little bit bigger gerbil wheel. Maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little bit more stylish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. We need to take one more break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and find out what else Tony has going. So we'll be right back with Tony Bradshaw. He's the author of The Millionaire Choice. And also you have a podcast called Millionaire Choice. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about how to change your mindset, either getting yourself out of debt or the next step after that is becoming a millionaire. And joining me today is Tony Bradshaw. He is the author of Millionaire Choice and also hosts a podcast by the same name. One thing that we haven't talked about is Maybe you have to get another job or do something to earn more income so that you can get yourself either out of debt or put that money away as a millionaire. So what are some things that we can do aside from reducing our living expenses if we do that plus a side hustle? Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand what I would call income lock or income stagnation. You know, my parents never, my mom never made over 40 grand a year. I think she mostly been her life around 35 grand a year. My dad, uh, is made, he's still working full-time, 72 years old, 
and making the most money he's ever made in his life. And he's pretty sure he hasn't broken 50 grand. So I grew up in a family that was relatively low income. There were years my dad didn't make over $7,000 a year. My mom told me that later in life that, you know, he worked a full year, 2,000 hours. So I was kind of in that same mindset. I never realized what my limitations were. And I think that's very big for your audience to listen to because we're born into certain, you know, segments of the population where we really don't know what our, what the possibilities are and where we can go. So the same was for me. So when I made my millionaire plan, I did, I made it off of a $39,000 income. That was what I used as my basis. It wasn't until later that I figured out I could make $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year, and even more. Now, how did I do that? So there's a couple ways you can you can increase your income, and, and I think that's something everybody should be asking. As I said earlier, put $10,000 towards your uh, your wealth money, then see if you can up it. Like, how, where's that extra ten grand going to come? If you can yeah. only do ten grand the first year, you have to you have to increase your income in some capacity. For me, I really studied my my work, so I tried to make myself more valuable. So when you understand your skill set in the marketplace, in the job world, skills are worth a certain amount. So you want to find out what a skill is that's worth uh, that you like doing. Obviously, try to do that right. Try to figure out something you enjoy doing. And that you can put yourself into that and really pour yourself into it. And it has a potential, high potential upside. So I was an engineer. My income peaked out as an engineer at about 47000 And then I made the switch from being an engineer to going into technology. And the interesting thing about technology, um, I had to train myself, teach myself to be a developer, a programmer. And that allowed me to continue growing my skill set. And so over the years following that, as the Internet came up in, into the, in a big way, that skill set was highly sought after. It is still highly sought after today. Yeah. And that's why you see like uh, locally here in Nashville, we have a thing called Nashville Software School. So a lot of people are changing careers from things that they used to do into higher paying careers in the technology space. That is a way to do it. Another one would be sales. A lot of people don't think of themselves as salespeople because they never started doing sales. But sales is a career that actually pays really, really good money. And you can do sales in different ways. Like, don't think of it as just like, I have to go do car sales, but real estate agents, you can do that. You have to figure out that model. So just because you go do a career that actually has potential doesn't mean you're going to be the one to do it. You have to develop the right processes, the right structure, have the right mindset, and the right energy, and put the right effort in to do that. But you have to develop this mindset of, hey, I need to make myself more valuable in the marketplace. Does the job I'm in have potential to double my income in the next, say, five years? Or 10 years. And for most people, you're going to say no. The answer is going to be no. So then yeah. you got to figure out what, what does. What does have the potential to double my income? That's the job model. Okay, so the job models are pretty simple. You just go, I need to make myself more valuable. How do I do that? What do I need to learn? Or do I need to change careers like I did where I went from an engineer? I spent four years studying engineering in college. I spent six years as an engineer. You would think that would be the one that I would use, but I made a complete pivot and shifted into technology. And then that's pretty much where I've been up until uh, you know the last five or six years. But there's still those things are still valuable to me. You could also go into if you just want to make extra money, you could get a second job, but that's not really good for your family if you're in a family situation because you've got to you've got to invest in your your family. I did not do that well, and I'm a, I've had to make up some lost ground in the last six years because I did not steward my family well. But then the other thing you can do is go, okay, you can temporarily. So working a second job can be a temporary fix for your debt situation, right? For your living situation. That can be a temporary fix. But you don't want to do that for longer than about a year or two. You don't want to work a second job and put that many hours out. It's not going to be worth it long term in your family situation or your life health. The other option is to go, how can I monetize 
in a, in a different way, like starting your own business. Like obviously starting a business is one of the top ways to build wealth, but don't necessarily quit your job to go start a new business. You need to do it the right way. You need to transition in. So find something that you're very interested in that's, that's monetizable. Uh, do your research. Uh, that could be a couple different things you could step into. I like the idea of having one house paid off and then one uh, financed. It minimizes my risk. So it allows me to build an income stream, but minimize my risk. And uh, we don't have time to talk about real estate investing today. But that, that's another option that people need to learn about. But there's so many different ways to make money if people would just quit watching Netflix. Yeah. Like, there, there it is. I mean, and that's the thing where I talk about becoming a wealthier millionaire is not a magic trick. It's a repeatable process. There are people doing it all the time. The problem is there's not enough people going and looking for it and looking for the opportunities and what you can do. So one that I would highly recommend, two guys that I know they're on my podcast, one of them's name is Dion Pouncil, um, another guy named Jeremy Newsom. Both of these guys came from low-income families, didn't have money, but both of them are teaching people how to do options trading every day. But you you know you have to learn ways to, to multiply your money, to make it, manage it, and multiply it. And, uh, you know, I'll say their names again, Dion Pouncil and Jeremy Newsom. Uh, Dion has a program called Money School. Uh, Jeremy is the CEO founder of Real Life Trading. You know, today there's a lot of people who are out there like you, like me, who are just wanting to see people's lives improve. And uh, Dion and Jeremy are a couple, a couple of those guys. Uh, and I recommend anybody check their stuff out. And I like to tell people to invest at their competency level. So if your competency level is mutual funds, then just do mutual funds. But increase your competency level. Take time to learn more things. Like I, I would do options trading right now because I wouldn't learn. But I'm going to get into it, and I'm going to learn from Dion and Jeremy because those dudes' net worth, they're 34 years old, guys. They're 34 years old, net worth over $25 million bucks. And so when you've, you've figured something out, if you can build $25 million net worth at 34 years old, you know a little something about you know wealth. Right. All right. So, Tony, if people want to learn more from you or your podcast, where can people go? Yeah, themillionairechoice.com is the number one place to find my material. There's a lot of free material out there. You can link to all my podcasts. One thing I like to do with people is I set aside an hour of my day for free coaching. So if somebody wants to just get a little pop to, to keep moving, I believe with one hour of my time, I can help traject, change somebody's trajectory of their life. I do that just as a pro bono to help people out. And so you can find that number or book an, book an appointment on the website. And then I'll uh, be glad to talk with any of your listeners, Heather, uh, that want to just get encouraged and get moved along on the, on the cycle and, and build a wealth. Cause I believe anybody can become a millionaire. You know, there's the 40% of the world's millionaires live in the United States. Well, thank you so much, Tony Bradshaw. Again, you are the author of The Millionaire Choice and host of a podcast called Millionaire Choice. And you've helped us understand like no matter where you come from you can get off your gerbil wheel as we've been saying thanks Heather, for having me on thanks for listening you can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com that's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com and because this is money making sense you can subscribe for free on spotify overcast apple podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast and you'll never miss another episode Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.